Hello and welcome to Reading the Bible Cover to Cover in 365 Days. My name is Andrea Lendy, author of the book and Bible reader and studier for over a decade. And I'm excited to share some thoughts with you about today's reading. Welcome to day 66 of Reading the Bible Cover to Cover in 365 Days. Let us pray. Oh Lord, thank you for the blessing of learning more of you. Help us receive the message we need to hear today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's see what's happening in Luke chapter 22. We have read about the festival of unleavened bread, the Passover in the Old Testament. This is the festival that the Jewish people were getting ready to celebrate here. The chief priests and scribes had not stopped thinking about how they would get rid of Jesus. It's interesting that what we think and talk about manifests itself eventually. Sin breeds sin, and Satan entered Judas, and he went to meet with the chief priests to talk about how he would deliver Jesus up to them. Verse 5 says, and they were delighted. They were deceived, yet even in their deception, they were excited about creating more deception. Let us pray the enemy does not deceive us, especially when we believe we are following God. One note of interest is we are reading about the ultimate deception on the 66th day of our study. God is in the details, my friend. He is always in the details. Next, in preparation for the Passover, Jesus sent Peter and John into town. We have another story of how Jesus knows who would be there and what the conversation would be like when he sent the disciples into town, just like he did when he sent them into town to get the donkey he rode on on Palm Sunday. There was a home that had a large upstairs room and was furnished with carpet and couches where they would eat the Passover meal, the Last Supper, and he would conduct the First Communion. Jesus knew this was his last meal with them and he would be taken shortly to be crucified. And yet he said he earnestly and intensely desired to eat this meal with them. Then he took a cup, gave thanks. He always gave thanks and gave it to the disciples. Then he took the bread, again gave thanks, broke it and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he told them there was a person at the table who was going to betray him. Jesus allowed his betrayer to take part in his most sacred moment, one of the last moments of his life. I'm not sure that most of us wouldn't have put him out beforehand or withheld the sacrament from him, but Jesus didn't. He withheld nothing, even from his betrayer. Next, Jesus instructs his disciples of the power of serving. His whole life was given in service to them and to us. He asked them to do the same. Verses 31 through 32 are underlined in my Bible, where Jesus says, Simon, Simon Peter, listen, Satan has asked excessively that all of you be given up to him out of the power and keeping of God, that he might sift all of you like grain. But I have prayed especially for you, Peter, that your own faith may not fail. And when you yourself have turned again, strengthen and establish your brethren. Jesus knew they would all betray him. He also knew they would build the church after he arose. He didn't take away their mission just because of their momentary turning away from him, but he prayed all the more earnestly for them. He shows himself as the great intercessor here in this passage. We can be sure he is interceding on our behalf as well. Then they left for the Mount of Olives and asked them to pray. He told them to pray that you may not at all enter into temptation. He began to pray and ask God to let this painful death pass from him, but he also prayed for God's will. He sweat drops of blood, which is a sign of total emotional distress and is called hematidrosis. I don't believe Jesus was afraid to die here. Many have died before him and have died after him for a cause worth dying for. I believe he was in such emotional distress because he was having to carry all the sins of the world, past, present, and future. 
It was almost more than he could bear. He was soon met with a crowd, and it was Judas's time to act. In verse 53, he said, but this is your hour, and the power which darkness gives you has its way. Let's see what Paul is writing to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. In verse 1, he writes, laboring together as God's fellow workers with him then, we beg of you not to receive the grace of God in vain, that merciful kindness by which God exerts his holy influence on souls and turns them to Christ, keeping and strengthening them, do not receive it to no purpose. Well, the grace of God. Normally, we think of the grace of God as Jesus' sacrifice to save us from our sins, as we read about in Luke. The Amplified Bible defines grace a little differently here in this passage. Grace is used here as God's merciful kindness. In his merciful kindness, he influences our hearts to turn to his son, Jesus. Our verse tells us God compasses us about in his mercy while leading us to the cross. Then he strengthens us and keeps us as we learn and become sturdy in our faith. Paul implores us not to take God's mercy for granted, but he in earnest serve him with purpose. Then Paul writes about his afflictions, sufferings, beatings, and imprisonments. And even though he has nothing of earthly value, he has everything because God knows him and loves him. His reason for writing this chapter lies in five verses where he implores the church to not marry unbelievers. He encourages them to not be unequally yoked. As we are reading in the Old Testament, I find his argument relevant and compelling. In verse 16, he writes, What agreement can there be between a temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Even as God said, I will dwell in and with and among them and walk with them and among them, and I will be their God and they will be my people. These words are also found in Exodus, Leviticus, which we've just read, as well as Jeremiah and Ezekiel coming up. Well, let's see what's happening to the Israelites in Numbers chapter 15. God instructs Moses about the offerings to be made to him when he does bring them into the land, which he promised them. Then God instructed Moses about the offerings to be made from their harvest and offerings for sin, for error, and for unintentional sin. However, anyone who blasphemed God was not forgiven, but they would be utterly cut off with his sin upon him. A man was found gathering sticks on the Sabbath, and God's punishment was stoning this person. He disobeyed God's direct commandment to observe the Sabbath. Lastly, God instructed Moses about fringes or tassels to be made on the corners of their garments. These were to remind the people of all the commandments of the Lord and to follow them and not follow after their own hearts or desires. He told Moses they had already played this spiritual harlot, so these physical signs would help remind them who they were to follow. God desired their hearts be after him, and he gave them instructions to help keep them holy, for they were his people. Verse 41 says, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. Let's remember God desires our hearts as well. He desires relationship with us. He is the Lord, our God. In Numbers chapter 16, there is trouble afoot in the camp. Remember the Kohathites were from the Levite tribe, but did not hold priestly duties. They simply carried temple things from place to place once they had been stowed. Well, they rose up against Moses and Aaron with 250 other men, princes and leaders. We see jealousy is causing sin here, and it does not turn out well. Moses points this out in verses 9 through 11. Pay attention as you read these verses. So there were three camps that grumbled against Moses for making a prince of himself. However, Moses didn't make himself a prince. God did. These men didn't fare well at all. And I'll let you read about what happens to them. Then the rest of the Israelites grumbled at the plight of these men. 
had sent a plague upon them. Grumbling and complaining do not bode well in God's kingdom. I pray we can all learn this lesson as we read about God's wrath against those who complain and come against his anointed. Let's see what Psalm 66 has for us today. My Bible doesn't say who wrote this psalm, but a scholar I refer to indicates the psalm was written by Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the 13th king of Judah. He was a king who revered God. Isaiah the prophet went to Hezekiah and told him he would die soon of illness. Hezekiah turned to the Lord and God granted him another 15 years. He wrote this psalm of thanksgiving to the Lord. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, thank you for your word that teaches us more about you and your ways. Lord, draw us closer to you and help us be obedient to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for walking this journey with me and being a faithful reader of God's word. I pray that he shows himself as the God who loves you deeply and cares about every detail in your life. Come back tomorrow for some more thoughts and insights as you read God's word.